0: You Can't Sit With Me, hosted by Deanna Esfier.
1: Another week, another update with all things pop culture news, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. But today we have Zach Peter. Okay. You have two podcasts. I'll I'll let you introduce yourself because I have never met anyone who has two fucking podcasts and I don't know how you do it.
2: Um, sometimes I don't know how I do it either. The good thing is we've now made the show seasonally. So I, my first show, which was called hashtag, no, which is called hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter, um, we released twice weekly, and that started about four years ago. And then about a year and a half ago is when I started my second podcast, which is called hashtag Adulting Life Hacks to Get Your Shit Together. And so originally No Filter was like an every week podcast, and then I was like, okay, we need to like, you know do some time management and break it up into like seasons, So I get like a little bit of a break um, in between taping.
1: Before I even started listening to your podcast, because my show, the, the, the Content With Me podcast is also like a pop culture news update. I started making it seasonally as well because it's so overwhelming having a, like to keep up with all these fucking idiots in the public eye. Okay.
2: I mean, yes, there's one. There's like so much stuff that happens all the time. And then what most people don't realize is like when you have a podcast, you don't always have like a team of 15 people helping you produce it like Ellen or, you know, even if somebody who has a weekly talk show, like they have all these people that prep notes for you. But like you have to keep up with everything. You have to prep for the show every week. Like it's a lot of it's a lot of work. People it's don't a lot of fucking
1: that. work and then you have to start following all these fucking idiots on their socials mm-hmm. like you know sending sending cryptic messages and then you have to read everything and try and understand mm-hmm. between the lines and I'm like we I don't actually give yeah. a fuck all that much when I started. I, I obviously gave a fuck more and now that I look at it every week I'm like that shit is fucking stale. It's stale.
2: Stale. I mean, yeah, there are only so many Twitter comments I can read about, like Pete Davidson's dick or what you know, ridiculous Cleveland Zillow has opened up next.
1: Literally, though. So I want to ask you because I think we started podcasting around the same time. I started like three years ago, so we kind of started before everyone and their fucking mother and vagina had a podcast. Yeah. Um, so, did you start the adulting podcast because you felt like you needed to like what what was the thought process behind it?
2: Well, no filter. I always love to do pop culture, but at the same time, I also occasionally like to bring in like experts and kind of like pick their brain to help me get my shit together. but I realized that like it that those topics really deserved a podcast of their own. And I had, um, you know, every expert, you know, in in medical to fitness to, you know, beauty in my phone that I was texting constantly every day. And so my friends were always coming to me or people were always sliding into my DMs and they're like, you know, what's the best new beauty product? What's the best diet that I should be trying? Is it keto? Is it paleo? You know, what the fuck is the difference? And I was just like, you know, why don't I actually come up with a show to help people get their shit together while I'm in the process of getting my shit together and giving them access, access to all of these like, big wig experts that know what they're talking about. because like I can recommend stuff and like I yell at my friends every day and I'm like, gluten is going to kill you. Don't eat that shit. But you know th- th- I feel like it, it, it's a little better when it comes from a real expert. So that's kind of where the inspiration for adulting came from. And we have like four main categories on the show. Food and fitness, sex and dating, uh, money and business management, and then mental and emotional health. So every episode falls within those four categories of getting your shit together in like your 20s and
1: 30s. I fucking love this. And you know, this is the reason why I do tip of the week. I never told anybody that because I'm such
2: a good friend. Mm, Well, one of my... So one thing that I'm really... Two things I'm obsessed with right now are CBD and collagen. And I put those on every like on every part of my body, and then I put it in like my coffee every day. So like those are two little beauty hacks that I um, I put their CBD in my skincare, and then I put collagen all over and in every single. Can thing.
1: you give the brands of the products like, that you use?
2: Um, Yes. For collagen, I use the vital Proteins peptides. I put them in everything from my morning coffee to my martinis. That's like become my new signature drink is a a collagen martini. Um, And for the CBD, um, there's this new brand that I've been using for a couple months now that I'm obsessed with. It's called High Beauty. And they have... Um, sativa in all of their products so they have like this like amazing face mask that like peels your face off and it like gives you a whole new face and then they have face oils which I'm obsessed with
1: amazing I love these tips so my tip of the week which we will go into right now is getting your eyebrows laminated hello and I know that you have amazing eyebrows what do you do for your brows
2: oh my god it's so much fucking work. Like Legit. I literally was texting my eyebrow guy this morning. It's funny that you brought that up, and I was like, "When are you free to take me?" Because my eyebrows are unruly right now. Like I haven't tamed them in like seven weeks, so they're they're truly a vibe at the moment. Um, but no, I it's Eco Brow. I Eco Brow is the one that uh, m- that does the threading on my eyebrows. His name is Marco. He runs the company, and then he has like a pomade that I put on it every morning.
1: Amazing, because you know I was at this like very Hollywood party the other week, like Bella Thorne, Cara Delevingne, like. You know, Alessandra Ambrosa, like all all of these fucking celebrities, you know, so Hollywood. I'm like, whatever. So annoying that I'm even dropping those names. I fucking hate people who do that. And and, and Amber Heard was there. And me and my friend from the UK were looking at them. We're like, they're all fucking ugly in real life. Like you look at them in magazines and they're all fucking amazing and beautiful and, and you, you think you want to be them and in real life I was like you guys look like trash and the only person yeah. that I thought was just strikingly beautiful in real life was Cara Delevingne like I could not stop watching her mostly due to her brows People don't
2: realize people don't realize that like it's mounds of makeup that people are wearing it's mounds of makeup it's a lot of filters it's a lot of retouching and editing and lighting is another really big one too Crazy what a little lighting will do to a person's face,
1: and yeah. then I looked at Cara Delevingne. And I was like, you know what? What makes her strikingly beautiful is obviously everything, but I looked at her brows and I was like, I think brows were really amp up my look. So I started getting them laminated, which I have a mini clip of the of the person who did did it for me she'll give all the tips but basically for your own sake in case you were wondering it's um Mm -hmm. perming your brows so they brush them up to give you like the bushier brow look it's been life-changing i don't pencil them in anymore it's the best thing Mm -hmm. i've ever done you guys need to all go do it so as an exception today for my tip of the week i have is can i say your name is london fromson yeah i mean it's
0: not my real name but it's my go by name it's your
1: stage name how nice Hollywood it, I know okay so I wanted to bring you on to give everyone the tip of getting the Haiti Bieber brow because this is something that I've personally been trying to achieve for so long I bought all the products and then I came to you in West Hollywood and you made it happen and I don't even need to touch them. I
0: know I love that you have coined it the Hailey Bieber brow because we've never gone with that before but maybe
1: we should. What is it called? What, what do the
0: professionals call it? So the actual terminology or I guess the actual eyebrow lamination yeah but I hate the word lamination because it makes it sound like you're laminating <laughs> yeah. yeah and I was a personal <laughs> assistant so I used to laminate stuff every single day yeah and that just doesn't sound cute to me so we call it the London eyebrow lift
1: the London eyebrow or we'll lift. say
0: the brow lift
1: and some people or, call it the soap brow
0: yeah well soap brows that's like a that's kind of the effect that it gives but soap brow is like a straight up product, product too yeah, yeah. but so, i love the Hailey bieber brow
1: it's the because that photo shoot she did with the vogue makeup artist with like that brow yeah i call it the hayley bieber brow because anything she does i'm trying to achieve um we all no but that's the thing that's the whole point of this podcast i try to like get all of the la treatments and things but still not be la in yeah. my personality yeah <laughs> So can you tell everyone a little bit about the treatment and what it does and why it basically means you will not need microblading, which I'm 100% against, by the way?
0: Yeah, so we were microblading and I really was hating it. I just think that it doesn't look good after a certain amount of time. and But you still want to have like full fluffy brows. And I think that this service just really helps with that and makes you I don't know. I think fluffy brows are really useful and like fun. And I think the new trend of brows with kind of stemming away from the Instagram brow. So I was looking all around, like, what could we do that would kind of take the place of microblading? And I stumbled across this service that I found in Russia. And then I saw that they were doing it a lot in the UK too. And so I started to research it some more and see like, what could we do? What could we do differently? And what it essentially is, is we glue your brows into your desired position, whether you want them to be really fluffy or you want them to be more manicured. And then we use a solution that sets them, a one that neutralizes. And we actually have added in a third step more recently, which is like a brow growth regeneration type thing so it promotes growth and nourishes your brows too
1: so essentially it's like a perm for your brows and they kind of stick in the position that you want exactly okay so I have a question about this first of all for the listeners how long does the treatment last first of all how long does it take to do it and then how long does it last
0: it takes under an hour for the whole thing. Um, and it lasts, I like to say four to six weeks. Some people will say longer. I don't think that's fair. I think yeah. at the six week mark, you're probably ready to go again. Right. Um, like at 12 weeks, that's, there's definitely not going to be anything left.
1: And why is it something that can replace microblading? Cause it
0: gives the same effect. Like you're still getting a full brow and it's yeah. lifted and tinted and It gives that effect of microblading when you've first been microbladed, but you're not tearing up your face to start with. It's more cost effective, I feel like. Yeah.
1: I I think it's cheaper than doing microblading.
0: Yeah, because you still have to maintain microblading. And I don't know if anyone has looked up like healed results. Not a lot of people show healed results in microblading.
1: Yeah. So the misconception is when people microblade, they show you a before and directly after they've like yeah, put needles in your face. When it
0: looks phenomenal, it looks crisp and it looks at yeah. the strokes look like perfect hair strokes. But, but then it fades. Well, it fades depending on your skin type. It blurs
1: and it it it's hard to stop it from looking like a tattoo. The results were crazy for me because I have very like thin sparse brows and I didn't realize that by just lifting them and keeping them lifted, it made my brows look like they were so naturally thick, which I've na- yeah. I haven't even been able to achieve that look with tin and with pencil because with the pencil, it always looks fake. Yeah. Well, so the other thing that's The solution
0: does is it increases the diameter of the hair. So it adds volume regardless.
1: That's amazing. And so yeah. what would you say to people who have gotten microblading before and their brows look super structured and now they kind of want to go for this look that is more like bushy and upwards? Well, I actually did do a client
0: a couple of weeks ago who her microblading was heavy. Like she had really, really
1: tattooed. on. I mean, brows.
0: yeah, essentially tattoos. And I told her, I was like, you know, there's nothing we can do with the tails because it's it's going to look like you've got this like fluffy end to your brow but then you still have this really this dark tail, shadow yeah. underneath but we lifted the front so she still got like the fluffy lifted look at the front and then just kind of more maintained the shape towards the end right so you can so still, do, still, this still can do it yeah and it obviously it depends on who microbladed you and what your results have turned out like a lot of people it does fade and it doesn't make but with her it was like oh shit <laughs> like those are some real tattooed brows some real stamped on brows yeah.
2: you know what also really helps What is? sorry no I didn't no mean no, no I, tell me off. but one thing that i started doing too is um getting botox around my eyebrows to really kind of give them a lasting shape are you fucking
1: kidding me that's genius how have i mm-hmm. never thought of this
2: Yeah, it's called, uh, some people call it the Spock brow. You have to like be careful to not overdo it or else you'll look like, you'll look like fucking Danielle Staub, like a a, a monster. (laughs) But if you do just like subtle little micro dosing of Botox on the forehead and around the eyebrows, you can, you can get it, you can shape them that way. And I think that, that, and I loved
1: your analogy. I personally call it the Jack Nicholson one flew over the cuckoo's nest look. um, Yeah. When people can't move their face. It's like my favorite look in LA. I think we really need to go into the pop culture topic although I am truly, truly fucking bored with everything that I read in the news. I don't even know how to keep this show interesting anymore because I just feel like everyone is so fucking thirsty and everyone is so fucking annoying. Okay? So... Let's start with the Kardashians. I hate talking about the Kardashians. They bug the fuck out of me at this point, but.
2: Oh my God, I love talking about the Kardashians. I don't know. They just fascinate me. Like the fact, like, I don't know, like Kim Kardashian just fat. I mean, I guess after watching the most recent season, I am kind of like a little, oh, I'm getting over it a little bit, but I just, to me, they just fascinate me. I just want to be a Kardashian.
1: I, I agree. I would love to be in their shoes for a couple of days, but you know, I don't even watch the show anymore. I just read the news and I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. You're such a fucking bitch. Like no, no, no. Yeah. I want an episode of the Kardashians where you see like the crew filming in their house, where you see what it's actually like the behind the scenes of shooting the show, because there's so many reality TV shows now. And I just feel like, you know, it's all scripted. It's all for the show. I want to see the making of the show. That's what would make it a more, real reality TV show where you can actually see the behind the scenes. I don't want to fucking
2: see the fights. I know you're putting it on for camera. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, people know we've we've gotten to a place where like everybody understands reality TV enough that they know once the camera's on, they know how to perform and and, and... Act for the camera, but like you're right. I want to see the. I want to see that twist of like what happens when the camera turns on versus when you're yelling at the crew members, and then all of a sudden the camera, the the red light flicks on that you're recording, and then you're such a fucking angel. And it's like, no, I want to see what's really going on behind the scenes. I agree with that. and some reality and I shows see are their relationships
1: to do that. with their producers. I want to yeah. see the relationship with the producers. So, like how it went. One hundred percent. I completely agree. So, boo Boohoo, Kourtney Kardashian, sensitive about what Kendall said, and spill your guts. Okay.
2: I, I used to love Courtney Courtney used to be my absolute favorite because I can relate to her in so many different ways that like I don't like I live that non-toxic clean lifestyle for for the most part I mean now I you know I bleach my hair and, and get Botox but like um, she used to be what I really my favorite Kardashian because of like her gluten-free crazy unattainable lifestyle which I really appreciated but now I feel like it's kind of annoying because she is so like even on the current season right now she talks about how she has so many boundaries and she doesn't really want the the show to film her personal relationships and she doesn't really give much and so that was kind of the conflict at the end of this most recent season with Kim and Chloe were like you're barely even doing this show it's like nobody cares about doing this show anymore everybody just kind of fakes it and like we need to find a way to like get back to what we used yeah. to be and Courtney's just like well I have boundaries now kind of
1: defeats the purpose so of the show I, as well because now that you're trying to launch pollution and stuff like you're trying to make all these things happen for yourself those things are happening because of the fucking show stop being a hypocrite it really bugs me
2: But she is the most attractive, in my
1: opinion. She's like aesthetic. She is
2: the most attractive. hundred percent. And I do think she is really sensitive because like you watch her on the show and like they can't say anything without her feeling judged or without her. And so the whole spill your guts thing, which was um, on on James Corden, right? Yeah. And when Kendall had to answer the question, she had to put the rankings of the, the parents in order and she... I don't think she said that Courtney was a bad parent. She just said that, like, Courtney was what she would consider. Like, I don't know. I also feel like Kendall's not necessarily the person to be giving out parenting advice because she is in her early 20s, has no She's idea. She's the only one that
1: doesn't have a kid.
2: Yeah, she has no idea what it takes to raise a kid or what she would even be like as a parent. Literally.
1: that's that, that was my thoughts. I was like, you know, after being on reality TV for so long, can't you take things with a pinch of salt a little more? It was a fucking game.
2: Yeah, I just feel like they get so sensitive. I, like, if you can take it so harshly from the public and from the press, and like, and you have to understand, like, this was a game. It was for a talk show. Like, she doesn't think you're a bad parent, even though if you do watch the show, Courtney doesn't seem like a great parent. Like, she lets her kids get away with a lot. That was another thing that came up this season. Was like her daughter attacked the nanny and was like kicking and scratching the nanny, and like that, and she didn't really do anything or try to discipline her, and she really doesn't discipline her kids at all. And the sisters all say it. So I think more of a passive she's a
1: little bit more of a passive, I, I, a of a passive parent, yeah. which can work sometimes, but I think that when you have kids in the public eye, you have to look more closely. Um, I was you know, I, I was at BeautyCon last year and Kim Kardashian says that she you know the way that your kids are raised by like normal parents? She is being taught how mm-hmm. to do that with her children so that they don't end up super fucked up.
2: I love that that's an option nowadays. Like they're teaching celebrities how to be like normal people they go to class to learn how to be like an average Joe that's what
1: she's doing for her kids obviously not for herself she knows what the average Joe life is but no I love that you know they actually have that now and I feel like Courtney's just kind of like passive at the same time she shames the show she's like I don't want to be on it I want boundaries but the boundaries are not necessarily beneficial to you and your kids you know what's beneficial to you and your kids is actually working around the problem and that's that's what I think is the the case for most problems that we have nowadays you can have like depression anxiety and you can't just like turn away from it you have to just work around it and i think that kim kardashian is doing it the right way she's you know it's her situation that's what it is and she's going to work around it and make sure that her kids are aware
2: She definitely has a really good... And that's what I love about Kim so much is she really does have a good head on her shoulders. Like, look... And she she owns the fact that she, you know, does little touch-ups on her face and wears hair extensions and loads of makeup. Like, she owns all of that, you know? Whereas I just... I don't know. I think Courtney, at this point, either... I think she acts like she doesn't want to be in the public eye and acts like she doesn't want to be on TV anymore. But she definitely loves the perks of being a Kardashian and like she just needs to own that and and, and put up with, you know, doing the show, which gave her the lifestyle that she has now and gives her the life that she wants to now. Of course live she now.
1: does. And you know the Poosh Instagram page that she has. Um she actually used the the previous Dash Instagram accounts because Dash is now shut down, obviously.
2: Oh, yeah, because how do you think she had
1: so many millions of followers on Poosh just as she launched? She obviously used an old account because it's not possible. Even Jennifer Aniston, I think, didn't get that many followers the first day that she launched her Instagram page. So she's using all the tools that were put at her disposal from reality TV and fame, but then she's being a hypocrite and is like, I don't want anything to do with it. So fuck you, Courtney. I love your aesthetic, but your attitude sucks. Me, no likey.
2: No, and I feel like. I love poo. I love the concept and the like idea it. of Pooch. I think it's a little. I think it's a little bit more of an attainable Goop, and I mm-hmm. love Goop too. Love Goop. Love Gwyneth Paltrow. I know people no, hate I like her, goop. but I, I, I love Gwyneth Paltrow. And I think Poosh... So I like the concept of Pooch, but what I don't like is that it really is built on corny. Like like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop. Like Gwyneth built Goop in her in her kitchen on her computer. It was a newsletter for her friends that became a business. I feel like Pooch is. Capitalizing off of Kourtney Kardashian's fame and interest in this lifestyle, but it's really a team, a business of business managers that are putting this out there and manufacturing it. And I really don't think she has a big hand in it. Like, if anything, I think she maybe has at best ten percent. At best, ten percent.
1: They're trying to make it a whole like relatable lifestyle website, and then I see this toner that you can get at Target, and I'm like, "There's no fucking way that Courtney is spritzing a ten twenty dollar yeah. toner on her fucking face."
2: That's why I, I like the con- I like the idea of it. I like the concept of it, but I think the execution isn't isn't real. And she, you can just tell that like this is a business a business plan that was forced onto her. You know, she was like, I have to do something. All my other sisters have their businesses. minus Kendall because Kendall's just, you know, temping out proactive every other week on Instagram. But she just, she's like, I needed to have my own thing. And this was the kind of something that was forced on her, a business that was forced on her for the longevity of her career. But I don't envision 100%. Lacking.
1: And so, you know, about this Spill Your Guts episode, let's talk about Harry Styles because I love mm-hmm. Harry Styles. I followed yeah. him since the One Direction on The X because, you know, I'm from the UK as you can probably hear but everyone's fucking confused by my accent because i've lived everywhere but i'm uk and swiss oh
2: i thought i thought it was a direct situation oh, oh my sorry. gosh i
1: fucking hate you but i love you for saying that on the podcast wait you think <laughs> tell me what you thought
2: <laughs> i mean i knew you were i i'm so bad no, at reading no, no. accents Don't apologize that i, just, for I it. just
1: go for it i fucking love this
2: no, I didn't know what you were. I was. I, I had no idea. I just... I, I'm i so foreign Did to foreign accents. Did you think that I was the know of your...
1: podcasters?
2: <laughs> no. I fucking would have been love amazing, you for saying though. that. I would have loved... I love Dorit, though. Sh- she I bugs love the, the fuck out so of me. She's like one of my favorites. She's in my top five all-time No fucking
1: housewives. way. For me, it's Brandy. She bugs me. But wait...
2: Brandy is the fucking best.
1: But no, the the accent is actually... I grew up in Switzerland. English family. I lived in the UK. But I lived in Switzerland. But I lived in Paris. But then I lived in the US for the last 3 years. So nobody really knows. But it's more UK than anything
2: else that's what I that's kind of what I guess but again I guess it I guess wrong all the time like I'm I don't know that a Switzerland a Switzerland accent from an English accent from a Scottish accent from do you know what um, I mean I'm not like ratchet
1: American trying to sound English
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah.
1: (laughs) By the way, at BravoCon, she got so sensitive about what people were saying about her accent. It it makes me die. You know, people always ask him about his sexuality because of his image. And obviously, I'm not part of the LGBTQ community. I'm definitely an ally. I will say that. Like, you know, I grew up in dance schools. I'm very desensitized to the whole thing, but I'm not part of the community. So it's kind of yeah. like f- hypocritical for me to always comment on what is said. But should he be asked about his sexuality because of his style and because of the way he dresses and his imagery or... Because he was not sensitive about it, but he was kind of like, why are you asking me about this? It's so irrelevant. Like, this is my image. This is what I want to put out there as you know, a way to illustrate my yeah. music. So I kind of wanted your opinion on this.
2: Yeah, I feel like Look, I'll be the first to admit this whole, the climate that we're in is so fucking confusing. I don't understand. Like I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, 12 year old women that are born as girls that put she, her in their Twitter bio. I'm like, you don't need to put she, her because we all know, like I'm I'm try- trying to find my footing like everybody else. And yes, I'm very much in that, um, you know, in the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. community. And I think that we're in a place where we're trying to figure out what, um, We're trying to redefine sexuality and we're trying to redefine gender norms or abolish gender norms altogether. And I think that that's, you know, it's evolution and I think it's natural. And I think, you know, Harry Styles is a really good example of somebody that is kind of bending the rules of what traditional gender norms were for for men and women, especially as it comes to when it comes to style. But he also has to realize um, he also has to realize that, like. Americans or just our culture in general like we're we're learning you know this is still new we still have the baby boomers that we're used to you know men wearing suits and women wearing you know yeah. ball gowns like and and we're we're beyond that point you know now we have all of these other celebrities that are, are men we have like Jonathan Bennett and all these people that are are changing the style norms and like it's going to take time for people to understand it and to be okay with it I think it's a really good thing that he's kind of putting himself out there um, up for that public subjectification, and he has to realize that, and I think there's a lack of self awareness as it comes to that, especially since he's like a public figure, and it's like you're a celebrity. People want to know everything about you. If you're doing something that's weird, if you're painting your nails, like to the to you know Karen in in Idaho, like that's gonna be fucking weird, and she's he's not gonna saying, understand it. It
1: shouldn't be weird for me to paint my nails, and he's saying I wasn't even thinking about genders when I you know put out this whole. You know, artwork for my album. He's like, it's just what I liked, and I wanted to do it. And yeah. I do feel like our society now, especially in Los Angeles, I've noticed, is becoming more fluid. Like, there's not so much a label put right. on people and their sexuality. I, I, I truly believe that, right, and right, right, so. Right.
2: But the rest of the country is still hasn't fully caught on to that and I think he needs to be aware of the fact that like not everybody in Los Angeles where he, he lives or you know I, I'm not sure where he lives now but he's in Los Angeles a lot Los Angeles New York you know it's very common it's very you know it's very it's not um it's not shocking to any of us but they have to realize that like as a celebrity you have access to everybody or everybody has access to you and your image and not everybody is on board with it yet so it's going to take some time and it's natural for people like people want to know who's Dickie fucking like people want to know that because he's a celebrity and i feel like he wants his privacy but it's just it's going to take a minute and he needs to realize that you know not everybody's going to understand it up front
1: I, I literally what do you think of his style though do you like it
2: no i think it's a little over the top for me
1: I just love him so much. But you're making such good points. This is a tough thing. Usually I interview TV people on this and now I'm having a podcast. So I'm like, fuck, this guy is giving me so much good stuff and I don't even know what to do with it. We we were talking about the housewives and how you think I was a Dorit, which bye. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever, she's pretty and she's skinny and she has good style. So I'll uh, take it. You
2: can be more of a, you can be more of a Yolanda because that was an authentic actress.
1: See, I I appreciate that. I, but, but she bugs me too. I fucking hated Yolanda. (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to be an L V P. No, thank you. L V P. No, has, no she, uh, she, has, she no she bugs me no, the I most. Can't swipe left on LVP. No, no, no she bugs yeah. me
1: the most out of everyone. I'll take a Yolanda because you know what? She's she's done she's done okay. LVP just bugs yeah. the fuck out of me and it sucks because I know that she's like a philanthropist and whatever, boss bitch. Like cool, cool, cool bugs me. What okay. do you think of her saying to TMZ that her worst gift was the one that Kyle got for her, but that she never opened it?
2: I thought it was stupid. Let's see, For somebody like Lisa Vanderbump that leaves the show and makes this big exit and wants to be like, I want nothing to do with them. She sure seems to be throwing a lot of jazz and keeping herself relevant in the press with all of these women for someone that really wants to distance herself. 100%.
1: She
2: keeps dragging Kyle and then she keeps shading the show and then responding to tweets. And she's like, well, I don't watch the show, but she always has like a hot opinion based off of what somebody sent her. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, get in or get out. Like, shit or get off the pot. But, like, stop playing this game of, like, I have one foot in and one foot out and I don't want to be their friends, be it I can't stop trashing them in the press. It's like, get over yourself. I think she's way too self-absorbed. One
1: thing herself. that I really appreciate, I had Billy Lee on the show a couple months ago. And...
2: Oh, yeah. Loved,
1: well, I used to fucking hate her when I watched the show. I was like, what a bitch. And then I had her on the show. And, you know, when you hear someone's side of the story, obviously, you're like, okay, fine. And she left Vanderpump Rules. And... She's really left the show because she's like, I lost myself and I really want to be an activist. And I feel like she's really separate. Like she doesn't use the Vanderpump drama in the press. She's actually really like the stuff, yeah. the content that she's putting out there is really supporting her cause, which I really appreciate. And Lisa is kind of thirsty for that relevance in the press. And so she keeps holding yeah. on to it and it really bugs me. And also, but Kyle Richards, um, clap back. It wasn't a bottle of Vanderpump rosé. <laughs>
2: i mean that, that was the best way for her to respond to it i just i i i don't love kyle that much i like kyle but she for me like i'm not like a ooh, stan kyle you know or uh, she's the queen of beverly hills but like i just why I don't know. i'm I, a stan I so that, i want to
1: know why let's argue on
2: this to me i mean i don't i the thing is i don't even have a strong enough argument to give you i to me she's just kind of there. You know, and I actually had somebody on my podcast last week who was saying that, that Kim Richards is like the true unsung hero of what put Beverly Hills on the map and how Kim Richards was Kyle's storyline for the first five seasons, which I actually think is so true. Like Kyle hasn't had a strong enough storyline in any of the seasons really, even when there was, you know, the the rumors that came out about Mauricio flirting with other women back in I think like season four. Like I just think she hasn't really had a strong. Um, she just hasn't had a strong enough
1: but influence she the on glue the show that is holding it all together. She is. No, I'll give her that. She's definitely the glue that
2: holds the group together. Her storyline is
1: not messy enough to keep us super on our toes with her. But she is the glue that keeps everyone together. So, you know, she has her purpose and I appreciate the purpose. But but I agree with you that her storyline is not as scandalous enough for us to all be like on our toes. Like, oh my gosh, Kyle Richards, what's going to happen next
2: week type of thing.
1: And I feel like she's not super thirsty for the press. To me, Lisa's fucking thirsty.
2: Oh Lisa's 1000% like the fact that TMZ is always catching her you know by coincidence like I'm like really you really think TMZ gives that much of a shit about you that they're always going to be you know catching you off guard with full blown out hair and makeup like come
1: on. and also I heard through a-, a source a very reliable source that she doesn't have all that much money like it's kind of all for show
2: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think she's very much about image. I mean, yeah, she's very much about image. She's very much about, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and showing face so that like, I I really wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And then you look at her, her clubs or her restaurants and her bars, like a lot of them are still so new enough, but I don't think they've really turned a strong profit. I mean, I think it was smart of her to leverage her reality TV fame to build up her restaurants and stuff, but like at the same time, I don't know if they're really as successful. I don't
1: know if they are. And like for example, Pump. Pump is always kind of empty. They're definitely not making enough money for her to be flying across the world on a private jet.
2: No. I mean you look at all the other clubs down Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood and like they're packed, like super packed inside. They have lines down the street. You never see that at Pump. You don't really ever see that at Thur what, Tom either. Tom? The only one you really see it at is not Pump. anymore. not anymore anymore. Tom Tom but only I think Tom Tom because it started at it launched at the height of the Vanderpump fame and it had the Vanderpump people that were guaranteed to be there like Tom and Tom and I've been there a couple of times I've run into I've seen both Tom and Tom and Ariana um, and they're there naturally because that's you know their new business venture, and they know how to keep up appearances. Whereas, like at Sir, you never really got to see the staff at Sir. Maybe in season one or two, but eventually they cut their shifts down, and then only worked there when they were filming. No, the but Saints. that said, and you are all, you know, you are going to
1: be seeing the newer cast members at Tom Tom. I know that for a fact. Yeah. Um, let's talk about it because the the OG cast of Vanderpump Perl said that they find it hard to relate to the newer cast, which is like younger and trying to copy some of the storylines that worked for TV. So they're essentially calling them thirsty.
2: Can you really blame them? Like they... Have a they have some big shoes to fill. They're coming on a show that's what in its eighth, ninth season, ninth yeah. season now, and it's an established show with a cast that everybody loves. And now they're the newbies that are coming in. They want to make sure that they're getting noticed. They want to make sure that they have genuine interactions with the original cast members and like are going to stay on the show long term. And they don't want to be like a one season wham bam thank you ma'am. You know, like they're I'm sure looking at this as a bigger opportunity. Like look, here's the reality for every manager and waitress and server and hostess at all of these bars and restaurants in Los Angeles they're not there because they're trying to have a career in hospitality they're there because they want to be actors they want to be tv hosts like this is kind of what they're using to pay the bills until they become big rich and famous and you know be Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston which they all think they're going to be in their mind coming from you know Idaho but like you have so they they're gonna jump at this type of opportunity, and when you have big f- shoes to fill, like the OG cast members, and you're on a show that's already successful and has a loyal fan base, that's not like a new thing where you can build with the audience. You know, it, it it's understandable for them to come in. I don't like that they're bringing in all of these new cast members. I think bring them in like one at a time. Let us hate them like La La for a season, and then eventually grow to love mm. them
1: what do you think is like the future of the older cast? Because this show was built around them being fucking servers. And like, obviously, they're so above that, the old cast members. Do you think that they're more suited for like a real housewife situation now? I feel like they're kind of in between us now. And it's kind of hard. Like, we love them and we want to follow them. But it kind of defeats the purpose of the show, which is all the fucked up situations that come out of being good looking Yeah, 20. aspiring actors working, you know, behind the bar.
2: I think their roles will be diminished I think some of them will start to fall off with the seasons that come and their roles will be more like Lisa Vanderpump you know where they're kind of the older wiser you know voice of reason that you know the younger ones come to and are like oh my god I'm fighting with this person and I don't know what to do and they're like this is what you do they're gonna get messy a couple of times but like I think what we saw in the original days like them throwing tantrums them getting blackout drunk them doing all these crazy stuff like look now they're all getting married now they're all buying houses like it's not like struggling to pay my bills, you know, struggling to pay my rent anymore and, you know, sleeping with all these side pieces. It's like, no, now they're all settling down and it's like, nobody really wants to see them settle down as much unless it's going to be like a housewife type of situation. So I think there's going to be, I think they're actually going to build what the next piece is between you know, being in your 20s, being messy in your 20s and then being a housewife. Like, I think there is going to be a new sub-genre that they're probably going to mm-hmm. build. Like um, the very successful 30s,
1: 20s, like the hustlers and less of like the entitled yeah. housewife. And I
2: think that might be and I think that might be I think that has to be an entirely new show you can't call it Vanderpump Rules when none of them are necessarily under Lisa Vanderpump's thumb anymore and you see people like Ariana who are now stepping up to LVP and having conflicts with her on camera and that's something that's going to be explored in the new season is their relationship so it can't really be Vanderpump Rules anymore because Lisa's kind of losing the ability to be the authority on the show because now they're all growing up and being their own authority so I think the cast is going to be trickled out a lot of the original OGs are going to go off either getting their own spin-off. I think some of them are going to try to do their own spinoff. We see that Stassi has her own like talk show with Bravo I've now. I've spoken about on the this internet. on so many
1: episodes, um, but I want your opinion on this.
2: I haven't seen it. I've maybe seen like a couple of clips on Instagram. I didn't think it was great. I don't think the issue is, and I don't know if you uh, can relate to this at all, but the issue is that we we find these people. That are personalities that are entertaining. And I think this is the reason why, like, Busy Phillips talk show didn't last. She's not a good host. And I said, said, this is exactly Exactly. what I said
1: on my previous episodes. And this is not me being a bitter, like, host, because, but Stasi is not an exceptional host. Like, even as a podcaster, she's an entertaining person to listen to because she is a personality. But would I hire her to go interview someone and get juicy information? Fuck no. That's not who I would hire. So no, give...
2: Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to ask the right questions. They don't understand the pace of a conversation. They don't understand when to cut people off, when not to cut off. Like there's so many technical things about it in your mind when you're hosting a show or when you're interviewing somebody that like all of that is so over their heads they're in a, it's like busy phillips she was not a good tv host i i think it was great in theory it was great in concept she was relatable she was a fun personality to watch maybe for like a reality show a game show some type of of interactment but like not where you're a host and you have a monologue and you're interviewing people and you're you know directing the flow of the conversation of i would show. love to
1: see Stasi on a fucking red carpet Because red carpet hosting is is, is obviously getting super boring and super stale. Nobody gives a fuck about it. But the skill of it is actually, in my opinion, harder than Mm -hmm. podcasting. Because you know, you're like, I don't know, you've done red
2: carpet hosting, I'm sure. That's actually one that I haven't. I've never, I've never, I've been offered to do red carpets, but I've never done it because I understand that it's a completely different ballgame. And I think it'd be fucking uh, epic. I think you would be epic. I've listened. You know, actually, I've done. I haven't done red carpets, but I've done something similar to that, where it's, like it's more of an on the street type of thing, not with celebrities. But I've I've done similar stuff to red carpets, but I haven't actually done a red carpet.
1: The tough thing about yeah. it is that when you're interviewing someone, obviously you have to make sure that you ask the right questions because they've been asked thirty. 30- questions before from 30 people before you you also have to make sure you fill in the blanks that there's no blanks in the conversation because you don't know how it's going to get edited Mm -hmm. you also have to have your eyes all around the red carpet to make sure that you're not missing out on a bigger celebrity that is more sought after and you also have to while you're asking the question listen to what they're saying, so you're engaging with them. But at the same time that you're really listening to them, you have to prepare your next question at the same time. So if you can't multitask in that situation, you're fucked and you're a terrible host. And so...
2: You have 8 things going on in your brain in one moment. In one one moment.
1: moment. So I'm not saying that a talk show is the same thing. But I think that if you want to have a successful talk show, you have to be familiar with the skill of thinking on your feet at a red carpet event. And I think that that's a skill that Stasi does not have, which is why the content of her show is very... It's very predictable. She, You know what she's going to ask. You know what the answer is going to be because it's very basic, which basically starts CK. We get it, but nobody wants to be a basic interviewer. Be a basic bitch if you want, but basic interviewer is not a good look. They tried no. to make it more of a reality TV talk show to you know bring on her reality TV persona into the equation, but... It's just not super working for me. They really need to fine tune the situation if they want to make it a success. She's going to get her stands to come and watch and that's cool, but you can't just ride on the back of a reality TV show to make a successful talk show. That's my opinion. Love me, hate me, sue me, I don't give a fuck. That's the truth.
2: 100%. And I feel like they need to find a new medium for these personalities. The ones that have really entertaining Instagram stories, the ones that have that are great on reality TV shows like like look, Christy Teigen is also not a great talk show Host. Like, she is funny to watch, or some people love her tweets and stuff, but she's not somebody that can follow the technicalities of being a host. You know, so like, they need to find mediums where. You know they can be themselves have an opinion, but where they don't necessarily need to direct the flow of conversation or have any of the technical pieces of, of moving a show um, and so I think they need to figure out what that other medium is going to be so that we can put them over there and then those of us, like you and I who are out there hustling and that are actually talented fucking hosts, can go and get the jobs that we've been working our asses off for so many Legit. years that
1: said um based off of this entire conversation, my takeaway is for these already established reality stars that no matter what they do, they'll be successful. It's kind of sad to see that there needs to be a platform that has to be built around them for their kind of niche because they kind of don't fit into any specific niche. So they're going to be successful. They're successful. But it's not long lasting success where if they don't get a niche created, especially for them... They, will, they won't fit into a professional category, but they'll be successful. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, it's just a really weird thing to analyze for me as a journalist and as a host. I'm like, you'll get the success, but what is your career? Like, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? Yeah longevity, yeah. longevity. Very confused by all this.
2: Because you and I have been thinking about career longevity since day bit. one. They're just like in it, in it right now and they're like, okay, well, what's the next best opportunity right now? But they're not thinking about. I mean another great tip for them, if there are any reality TV stars listening right now, um, is like build a new skill. like think about what you want your career to be, and then go work on that skill and build it up so that you can start to, to move in that direction. Because like, look, reality TV, the entire game is going to change in 10 years. It's changed in the past 10 years. But like, you have to figure out what that next thing is going to be.
1: Can you please tell everyone where they can find you and share all your socials? Because I do want everyone to go and stalk you.
2: <laughs> well, I, my DMs are wide open, so please come stalk me and slide in. Um, you can so it's just plain Zach, J-U-S T P-L-A-I-N-Z-A-C-K all over the internet. So on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Just Plain Zach, or Just um, I also contribute to Pop Sugar a lot. So I have a lot of really fun articles, whether they're, you know, really clean cocktail recipes or TV updates or, you know, lifestyle advice and tips. I publish those articles on Pop Sugar and possibly another site to be announced Woo! very soon. Um, for 2020, fingers crossed that it all, all worked out there and then I can announce that. And then I have 2 podcasts, Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter, which releases Mondays we do pop culture recaps and then Wednesdays we do unfiltered interviews which you are going to be coming on very so soon. So excited. Um, and Hashtag Yes. And hashtag adult scene life hacks to get your shit together, which comes out every Tuesday. And both shows are available on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher. All this of the is what a
1: platform. true hustling host, journalist, creator looks like. Stassi, you may want to take a note or two from this guy. <laughs> Thank you.